0: Hey guys, I am Richa and welcome to another episode of Career Brew. Do you have a plan B in place? Just in case, our guest for today lives on the philosophy of happiness and having a fallback of plan B, C and D. Aditya Hurya has taken a plunge into data analysis, digital marketing, management and has not regretted it ever since. While in conversation with Aditya, he stressed on the importance of having and being a strong support. Believe me, this is a discussion of practical wisdom. So, let his experience inspire us today. Hi Aditya.
1: Hi Richa, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, how are you?
1: Very well, yeah. Just coping up with this current situation. I hope you're safe. Everything at home is alright.
0: Yes, yes. Everything is very good. So how are you coping with the lockdown? What changes have you made to your working practice?
1: Actually, I've made a lot of lifestyle changes. I, uh, you know, since the time I was actually... In college I used to have this amazing habit of uh, being up till 6am 5am and that kind of continued even you know after college so I'm I'm trying to bring a change in that and I've been successful as well I have started waking up about 5:30 I go for a run in the morning and yeah I I started actually a challenge for myself in September which was every day I'm going to run 5 kilometers at 5am uh, instead of running at 5am I'm waking up at 5 but I am definitely doing five kilometers every day so that's that's a great thing for me
0: that's amazing running five kilometers every day
1: yeah even i didn't think i'd be able to do it but yeah i've just given it a shot let's see how it goes i think 20 days down it's it's slightly tiring that's why uh you know i i cannot stay up late but uh, yeah i think it's it's fun it's it's helping me massively my day starts early it gets done early so i'm actually quite liking it
0: So there's a very interesting fact I heard about you that you were always going, you wanted to become a doctor. So how did engineering come into picture?
1: So um, back in our days, uh, we used to have like, I was studying in Mithibai College and Parla East was where everybody would go for, uh, you know, preparing for their CETs and, you know, their entrance exam for graduation. So at that point of time, even when I took up science, I actually took it up with the intention of uh, pursuing medical like my my concepts at, at uh, biology were great. And I, I personally thought that, you know, it's, it's a uh, it's a field that kind of fascinates me the most. And when when I actually started enrolling myself for classes, I realized that OK, fine, bio will be my uh, PCB. And uh, my professor then also was quite happy with my performance. Uh, I, I, You know, we need to enroll in for classes uh, in the 11th itself for exams that we would give uh, post, I mean, before our 12th standard boards. So um, it was great. Everything was going great uh, till, you know, when we started really uh, getting into math studies, I think six months into the 11th standard. And that's when I was introduced to to this concept of you have to study eight textbooks for giving your state board entrance exam, which was Maharashtra CET. And that's when I said that, uh, you know, I think I understand the concepts well, but why do I need to study eight textbooks? And then he said, you need to study eight textbooks. Plus you need to study uh, the notes that I'm providing as well. And that's when it was actually a, a, a tipping point for me when I said that, you know what, this is uh, where I draw the line in in terms of my medical dreams. And uh, I decided probably I'm going to just focus on giving my 12th exam. By then uh, math professor really you know, believed a lot in me. And uh, he said that, you know what, uh, we will crack CET and AI triple e together. Yeah. And, you know, he just told my parents that, you know, I think he should become an engineer. And I had absolutely no reason uh, why I had to dispute that argument. So I said, okay, fine, let's go for it with absolutely no understanding why I want to take up engineering, but I said, let's do it. Maybe, you know, and, and at that point in time, all my friends were also preparing for engineering. So I was like, okay, seems like that is the go-to uh, stream and uh, graduation that I should be getting into. So that's, that's basically how engineering happened. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, I focused decently well in terms of my studies during the 12th standard and uh, got a decent rank, Uh, I secured like a 200 straight rank, which enabled me to get admission into VNIT, which was something that I was really reluctant about because I wanted to stay in Mumbai itself because uh, I've been born and brought up in Mumbai. So I've I've pretty much been a a Mumbai kid, Um, but um, it was something that was uh, making me get out of my comfort zone. And I absolutely had no reasons for not taking it up. I said, you know, you've experimented enough. This entire course seems to be an experiment. Why have the reservation of not moving out of the city itself? So that's how basically engineering and VNID really happened to me.
0: I think that's the reason majority of the students get into engineering because of lack of opposition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I I didn't know uh, what are the other things that I could have possibly done. There was this brief period of time where I thought that I'll become a pilot and because uh, my eyesight is great, uh, decent height and everything. And I got in touch with some of the pilots and they said that, you know, it's, it's a great thing. I'm actually glad I didn't end up taking that. But yeah, so that was like the other piece that actually came my way in terms of picking a career choice. But yeah, I think I I absolutely have. No concrete reason, like you rightly said, you know, it's it's like herd mentality. All of my friends were getting into engineering and that's how engineering really happened to me as well.
0: So you said that you wanted to live in Mumbai all your life. So how did the transition to Nagpur go for you? How was the first year or your experience in college?
1: When I entered VNIT for uh, I think the counseling period itself, I was really shocked in terms of seeing just the space that's actually existing and this is it should not be really called a college it should be called like you know in in mumbai you have places like you have a bandra you have a santa cruz it felt like that is the entire area and they just called it a college so um it it was massive it was huge and um i was really taken aback in terms of how many there's just a separate building that's for one particular uh you know stream of engineering and that does not really happen in mumbai right So um, that was fascinating for me also. But I was really taken aback by the kind of um, hostels that were there. I obviously had no idea about uh, what hostel life is uh, and what it would be. And uh, which is why when I when it was my first day and my parents actually came to drop me there, when I entered the room, I still remember I was uh, block eight, room number 39. And um, that that room had the first the first two people that I saw were Actually, this amazing friend that I still have is Yashwan Singh Oti. He's from Bilaspur, if I'm not wrong. And uh, then there was this guy from Assam. His name was Nayan Jyoti Medhi. And uh, then there was this uh, other friend that I made was uh, Manoj, who was there from Andhra Pradesh. And he had like some seven people who came to drop him. So I was suddenly like, okay, I just have two people who come to drop me. And uh, it was a massive culture shock for me. Because um, these were people who were from different parts of the country. uh, Actually, which is also one of the best things about, um, you know, uh, VNIT or I think any of the NITs for that matter of fact. You know, the life that you, the the learnings that you basically get from uh, other people and the cultures that you get to learn about. Initially, it was a big apprehension, which is why I switched my room. I went to the room opposite to that because that room had one person from Mumbai. Um, So I switched my room from uh, 39 to 27 because, uh, you know, I thought that I'd probably not be able to gel with uh, them. Uh, But by the end of the first year, they were more close to me than all the other three roommates that I had in room number 27. So it was, again, like I said, it was was crazy. Uh, But my initial few reactions were like, it was a massive culture shock for me.
0: What you said about VNIT, I relate to it so much. I was literally smiling throughout of all of it because I just completed my first year right
1: now. I think first year is it's the most beautiful year because, and you know what was the worst part for me? I uh, I recently also went. So there is this thing, you know, it's, it's really changed from what it was earlier to what it is right now. Uh, we used to have a very small uh, co-op is what it was called then. I, I hope it's still called that. And Mishraji used to be the person over there. Uh, who would rent out bicycles and stuff. So my parents decided to go and talk to the seniors because they got to know there's ragging that happens over here. So they said that, you know what, don't rag my kid. (laughs) Actually, my mom said that. My father was always pushing me to just live life and enjoy the most. But my mom being like super possessive and like, you know, she's complete Punjabi lady. She went and she took it up on herself. She started talking to seniors who were from Mumbai and she basically put it as their duty to ensure that I don't get ragged and I have whatever I need. And that's what actually, uh, that's when I kind of gained a lot of eyeballs. And I was actually one of the few people who got ragged a lot. (laughs) Because in the initial few days only they got to know who I am and everything about me because my parents left nothing (laughs) for me to talk. They ensured that they tell everything about me. And which is why, um, you know, like from the days of the co-op, you know, the entire ragging scene that used to happen, we used to like, you know, uh, ensuring that, you know, you have almost like a, it used to be called a zero cut. I don't know if that's still existing for you guys. We used to go to this place called Kumar's at Sita Seetabadi, where you just had to go there and you had to say that you're from VNIT and that guy would uh, give you five pants and some seven shirts and that would be it. So every day you need to wear one of those combinations. And it was actually a great exercise. And the reason why they used to do that is so that, you know, if somebody is from Mumbai, like I shopped like crazy before I went into college because, you know, it was like college life. I'm super excited. But they really brought everybody on the same level playing field, right? No, there's nobody who can really, you know, kind of show off their Nikes, uh, somebody showing off their sneakers. That's really not happening over there. Everybody is wearing your non-branded shoes which was the concept at that point of time and pants that used to cost us about what 60 bucks and shirts that used to cost us 40 bucks haircuts which would make us look like uh, fools and idiots ensuring that you know none of the girls actually end up liking us but the girls were also dressed quite funny so more, more so I think it was it was a great thing because it brought everybody close to each other It didn't matter what uh, strata of society you actually came from, what was your economic background. By the looks of it, everybody looked the same. And that's what really helped people bond with each other. We were really not allowed to use our uh, mobile phones also when we would get out of the hostel. Our mobile phones were always supposed to be in the hostel. So I think a lot of these things um, enabled us to actually get to know each other really well. And that's, that's actually why I said, you know, the first year was actually one of the most beautiful years that I had.
0: You have such a positive take on the ragging that happened to you. That's really nice to hear. Yeah,
1: see, we, we did. Um, actually, our SP knew that, you know, our floor was the floor that did like, we used to sneak out of the hostel at uh, 12.30 in the night. We used to jump out from the first floor. Uh, the mega mess that's there right now, that was under construction at that time. So there were like uh, this pile of sand that was there. We used to jump on that and then that's how we would scoot out and then we would be out. There was nothing to do in Nagpur but we used to go to Daba's and then we used to come back like at 6 o'clock and only the um, you know mess guy, Mishraji, he knew everything that we are up to and Eventually our SP also got to know but he was supportive so he would take us to uh, the final year block. Uh, Block 1 used to then be and NBH used to be the final year block. We did see some elements of uh, physical ragging as well but it was all in good spirit like you know there's nothing that I can remember which was traumatic for me or for any of my friends for that matter of fact. Um, You know all of us actually had a great time and the, the friends that we were from first year we are all still a part of that one whatsapp group and we are still so tight so thick and that's actually the beauty of it
0: Sneaking out seems like you had the college experience everyone aspires to have yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, education was never the for for at least me Uh, my friends did manage to keep that as their primary goal but (laughs) i did not do that
0: Uh, Sorry to be sucking the fun out
1: of this, but how how was your academic life like? It was, um, so to give you an uh, understanding, I I was, um, there were were two semesters, odd semester, even semester, and uh, both had about five subjects. So out of the 10 subjects in first year, I actually cleared only two. Because the whole experience of hostel, the whole experience of being, out of the city, having living life by your own terms. Education suddenly took a backseat in my life. And this entire experience was something that I was really overwhelmed with. So I was absolutely enjoying every minute of my life. I was, even when sessionals were there or when your NSMs would come up, I was still figuring out how do I have fun. So I think the fun part came so much in my life that exams were never really my best friends or my go-to people so I eventually by the time the first year was over we had a summer term that came up so I was there for the summer term as well like I think practically I used to only come to Bombay because I was there for the re-exams obviously so I used to hardly come back to Mumbai and I was absolutely loving the idea as well I, I it was never a moment for me that I was missing Bombay so much I was more than happy being over there so as much time that I got I was living the most
0: after saying you wanted to live in Mumbai, you adapted pretty well to Nagpur and V N I T.
1: Yeah, even I never thought of that way.
0: So, how did you deal with those summer terms or backlogs? Were there a hurdle or anything that came up?
1: I just knew at one at all points of time that you know. So it's not like my friends didn't motivate me enough. There were some really amazing people who uh, took it up on themselves saying that we will ensure that, you know, this is one subject you'll clear. So I think I was blessed with some really great friends, but I was always very positive. I always had that mindset that, you know what, this, these four or five years are not going to define my life. They are not going to define what I'm going to be doing in life. I I always knew that, you know, no matter what, uh, whenever I get out from here, uh, because By the looks of it, I knew that I'm not completing engineering in four years. So I was always absolutely positive. I I never second questioned myself. I never doubted myself from the fact that, you know, it's going to be the end of the road for me if I don't clear this place, if I don't get those 320 credits in four years or however later. Because I just had that faith in myself saying that, you know, and actually... Also came from a lot of my friends who kept reassuring me, a, se- a lot of seniors who kept telling me that, you know, you, you are obviously meant for a lot of great things, but just, just get done with this engineering and probably once you hit, once like how rubber hits the road, once you get into the whole corporate piece or you want to do whatever you want to do, you will really do well, you will succeed. So obviously I didn't know what I would get into, but I had that faith in myself saying that, you know what, no matter what, this place is not going to define my life, nor is it going to be the end of the road. I just knew that, okay, fine, I need to get done with it because by the end of second year, I knew that I don't want to do engineering. And I actually took up computer science because I thought I would become an ethical hacker at that point of time. That was the you know reason why I really got into this entire rut of doing uh, engineering. But I absolutely had no background of computers, a, you know, or electronics uh, in my 11th, 12th. So it, was, it was a very difficult journey for me. And by the end of the second year, I had got a lot of clarity saying that I don't want to do this, especially not for life. Like even if I do land uh, getting a job from this place, I don't want to take it up. It's just that I did not want to come back home and tell them that, you know what, I don't wanna do it. I just thought that, you know, let's just get done with it and then I'll figure out what I wanna do with life.
0: Yeah, self confidence and surety does pull you through life, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, massively. Massively.
0: So basically what as I can see now, exploring avenues is considered a dreading dreaded phase. Like you're told to take on the technical path, follow what the other engineers are doing, keep your career aligned in a certain way. So what is your opinion on this rat race?
1: I think it's absolutely flawed. Like if I was to give you another example, we we were so involved in dance. One of our seniors, uh, you know, he's the one who basically created the whole dance community at uh, VNIT. And, you know, he was someone who was so talented, but not so great when it came to academics. He's doing fabulously right now in his life as well. But, you know, we... We were looking at avenues where we could become teachers. We could basically have a dance class that we could start running while parallelly being in VNIT as well. And uh, he was totally acing that piece. Uh, We would go and support him whenever we could. But that was like really minimal. Um, Obviously, his parents were not okay with the idea. So that's when he had to stop that. But we realized that, you know, these are things that we can also do, right? It's not necessary that if, if I've taken up engineering, and if I am a part of, you know, either electrical, mechanical or whatever stream that I've taken up, if it's computer science, I definitely need to land a job post this, you know, I need to get a job which basi- basically makes me code. If you have the passion for it, then I think it's a great piece. But if you don't have the passion for it, if you don't have the heart for it, I don't think that's that's what you should end up doing because, and I think there are enough and more uh, examples that will tell you that, you know, by taking up such things, like the only reason why i was very clear that i don't want to do this is because i want to have a peaceful sleep at night i knew that if i take up uh, which you know if i take up an analyst kind of role or anything else i knew that i wouldn't be happy like you know personal happiness is above everything else and uh, i think when you put that and you benchmark it against that saying that if you want to take up this particular role are you going to be happy in life? And if, if the answer is no, then you should absolutely not pursue it. So I think a lot of these people end up making those mistakes. There were a lot of my friends who basically ended up doing, you know, they they, they didn't know what next to do after completing their BTEC. So they said, okay, fine, uh, you know, UPSC seems to be the ideal thing our parents have been telling us you know you should you should try for UPSC so many of them are still struggling you know when we're talking about what people who passed out from 2012 you know it's, it's 2020 right now so I think unless you believe it totally from your heart and you you don't think that this is absolutely the right thing you shouldn't go with it and I think course correction is something that you know you do even when you're working you know you always have a plan B or a plan C most often than not, you do definitely have a plan B. Even if there's something that you're really so superbly passionate about, if things are not working out, it's okay to just probably go back, relook, and figure out if you know that's really what you should be doing. Because uh, you know, I believe, I, or I've seen, you know, people who keep saying that no, you know, my passion is this, my passion is this. Unfortunately, things are not working out. So there are two options for you: either you decide to continue following your passion and then probably you wait till success someday hits you, or you know you've made peace with the fact that it's never going to hit you, or you can just course correct at that point of time and say that okay, fine, maybe I can pursue this as a separate piece, but then I can figure something with my own life. So I think it's it's very important for people to be mindful, especially students at this point of time, because. There's just so many options there. Like I I wish I knew the other opportunities that I could have possibly taken up if not engineering, right? But I'm actually glad that it happened to me because it gave me the kind of confidence that I have today. But, you know, I mean, right now there is so many opportunities, so many people that you can talk to, you know, digital is like massive. It's got so many people connected across Different cities, so you have an opportunity of getting in touch with people, talking to people, understanding whether that particular thing that you are thinking, talk to them about it. You, do you think that you should be doing it? If you should not be doing it, don't take it up. I think that's that's like, and especially taking it up under pressure from parents or anybody. I think parents are also evolving, right? Parents are also realizing that what's best for their kids. And it's not necessary that parents are always wrong. Sometimes they might know what's best for you. But really, I think, you know, career decisions or any particular decisions, you should have a very big say in it. Um,
0: Electronic and digital life is definitely bringing us together and we have a lot more options now. But more often than not, we are not allowed to pursue these options because of the economic front that we have to maintain and have to catch up with throughout our lives. So. How
1: did that go for you? It's, it's a quite a generic statement because uh, from an economic front, I realized that the kind of stuff that I was doing in my third year, I uh, wanted to start getting like, you know, self-sufficient. So that's when I joined my senior and he used to go out teach. So whatever little money he would make, he would then share it with, you know, all the people who basically helped him. So that's basically when we started realizing that, you know, money is definitely not a facilitator of happiness. I think economically, we realized that uh, there was not a lot of money that we basically needed. So, um, you know, unless you're going out with friends, you are quite content with everything that's available in college. And especially I think for uh, students who are there right now as well, right? If, if you've particularly gotten to a stream where you think that, okay, fine, you are bound by it. There are so many courses that one can take up. I think one of the great examples is definitely a course era, right? Like how many uh, opportunities are existing on a platform like that. E-learning is seeing a massive boom at this point of time. So the opportunities and avenues are there. I think economic does play a factor. I'm not saying that economic conditions don't play a factor. But I think one can manage and one can figure out their ways if, you know, you play it right.
0: Right. So... Obviously, Coursera and all the learning. Learning is a constant process and we all are evolving through it, through the courses we are doing in college and otherwise too. So, you say that you went for the fifth year and yet you did a... And that engineering was something you did not want to do. Yet you went on to do a software engineering role in Bangalore.
1: No, I did not end up... uh doing that role I actually again like I said I was blessed with some really good friends one of my friends basically helped me get a job in Bangalore which was a software job but that was more like you know a statement to my parents that you know what I've really not wasted the kind of time that I've spent over here it's not like my parents actually questioned it but it kind of gave me an uh, emotional boost that you know okay fine maybe you're not that bad It's not like I got a high-flying job or I got a very high-paying job. I got a very basic job. But the fact is that I did land up with one. So which is what reassured that thing that, you know, okay, fine. You've got a job in, in a field that you didn't want. Say, suppose you want a job in a field that you do want. Something that you didn't want has happened. So definitely going out and exploring something that you want, you will bag one. So with that thought, I said, I don't want to take it up. Obviously it was it was a big battle at home, but I think my parents and uh, you know my family kind of supported me at that point of time. They were really having their reservations, but and I think I was very strong headed. I, I knew that I can probably do it. I just needed that first in wherever I was getting in. So I think once I would have gotten that, I just had that belief and I had that faith in myself saying that, you know what, you just need your first job post that your hard work will take you places. So I just relied on that completely. And the fact that I did land up on getting a job in in a profile that I didn't want kind of gave me that reassurance and faith that, you know what, there's a sea of opportunities out there rather explore that than taking this up.
0: So you didn't end up actually doing the job and you explored further as a content writer is what I can see.
1: Yes. So I came back to Mumbai from Nagpur. From Nagpur itself, I had converted that job in Bangalore. Then I came to Mumbai. I had to go to Bangalore, obviously, to clear my interviews and stuff. But then I came back to Mumbai. I, I, I rejected the offer. And it was from a financial standpoint, I went back to like a very 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 basic paying job and for some reason that really did not make a difference to me you know when when people pass out from engineering everybody like some of the students um, you know from my batch they they secured a very solid paying job uh, of about 15 18 lakh plus and uh, when i got my first job it was absolutely nothing like it, it was there's there's no comparison to it you know it's not even like apples to apples but at at no point of time Did my friends make me feel like you're going the wrong direction? At no point of time, did anybody question me? At no point of time, I questioned the money that I am earning. uh, Because at that point of time, I was again saying one thing. You've landed a job. That's great. Now, hard work will take you places. You've landed a job that you... I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do content writing as well. Because um, I just knew that by the end of engineering, I just knew this is what I don't want to do. I definitely didn't have clarity on what are the things I want to do. I had gotten understanding that, okay, fine. I'm decently okay with public speaking. I can talk to a lot of people. So I I, I just knew that, you know, it can be a job, something in marketing or something in sales. These were the opportunities that I was looking at. I had done a lot of events uh, in BNIT also. So then I said, okay, fine. Event management can also be another opportunity. So I said, okay, fine. I definitely have gotten an understanding where technical is not my calling and taking up a technical job would basically mean like I'm going back again five years and I'm going to get into that rut again. So I just basically took up a very, very basic job. But yeah, I think it was one of the best decisions that I did.
0: You say that it was the best decisions that you did, but most of us here will be very scared to take this huge risk. How do you deal with it?
1: Yeah, it was risky. yes. It was. I think one thing that I learned while I did that. I think it all basically plays out in the long run. That's what you need to keep telling yourself, right? That if today some somebody is at a very great job and you know they are they are maybe making big bucks and uh, probably you are not doing that. You've taken an off beaten path and you've probably explored. Say, suppose if I would have taken up a a job of becoming a dance teacher, for that matter of fact, would I have been as happy as I am today? I don't know. Most likely I would have been, you know. But as far as, you know, you know, or you keep reassuring yourself that in the long run, everything is going to be okay. You know, that everybody is going to be on the same level playing field. And it's really like, you know... um, I think nobody should put money as they are go to, you know, measurement in terms of saying that how successful am I? Because I think once you pass out of college, you're extremely naive, right? How much do you even know about stuff that's happening in terms of corporates or any business for that matter of fact? So I think anybody gets an opportunity even after college life to do an internship you should do it if it's if it's in the you know sector or industry that you really want to get into starting off with an internship is also not a bad idea like if i want to look back today i you know the place where i work interns over there get paid more much much more than what i started off as my first job as well right so i think as far as you can have that belief that okay fine things will be all great in the long run and most importantly you are out there to learn Right, Like you also rightly said, learning never stops. It's not like learning has stopped for me at this point of time. Every day when we speak to our seniors and our marketing heads or our business heads, there's so much to learn from them. So if you basically believe that you know this is something that you want to do and you think this is something that you might excel at, it's going to be something that's going to be risky, but it's absolutely worth the risk. If you don't take that, you want to go play safe, you are going to land up in being one of those hundred thousand people that probably exist and you know you are probably going to look back at yourself and you're going to probably have that regret that you know i had that option where i could have taken this particular decision i wanted to pursue it but i didn't and you know that's when you're going to be like you know what i should have done it maybe so i i think that's that's one reason why i don't want to do something like even at this point of time I don't regret getting into engineering I absolutely loved the time that I had at engineering even though I didn't do anything in terms of my career with regards to engineering I spent a lot of time doing it probably I could have done something else I could have been somewhere else in terms of financially but I'm absolutely okay I think the kind of learnings that I've had through the journey that I've gone through it's been phenomenal so when you look back if you have these kind of feelings, I think that's, that's when you'll say that, you know, it all worked out for the right reasons.
0: It having so much clarity and even in hindsight, not regretting a single decision you made is a level, a different level of self-assurance, I think, which you've managed to attain.
1: All your friends who, you know, I think it's a lot of my friends who keep motivating. I think you should have positive people around you at all times. They really help.
0: Friends definitely play a big role throughout life. After this content writing stint at Mumbai, you went on to work with Viacom. How did you make that transition? How did it uh, impact your career?
1: I think uh, from the content writing piece, I got an understanding about what digital marketing is. So my first job was basically at Cinemax PVR. I used to write uh, movie reviews and I used to write content for their social media. And at that point of time, social media was, you know, for us, it was being connected with friends, never explored it as an option that brands were exploring at that point of time to connect with us or as consumers. So definitely didn't have that perspective. Like I said, you know, when you are an engineering, you're extremely naive. So by the time I got out of engineering and then I took up this first job is when digital marketing obviously came, you know, as a great growing industry. And then I pursued one course for six months into digital marketing. And I said that you can find it's probably going to help me learn about what this industry is. And it's going to give me clarity if I definitely want to do something like this or no, which it did. And I, I did that course and five months into that course, I applied for a job at this agency called Foxy Moron. And I think that's, that's the place that has made me who I am today. And I really got that job because of the fact that, okay, fine, I have experimented, which was from engineering. I've moved into a content writing space. You know, they believed in the fact that, okay, fine, you know, because in agency, you need people who are really (laughs) going to stick it out. So they believed that I would probably do that given the kind of experiences I had. And the kind of learnings that I had at Foxy, it was phenomenal. Like I was somebody who got promoted, I think every year. In, in In a matter of three months, I was pushed to a... I mean, a role where I was the client servicing lead for Make in India. I was working directly with the government of India. I had to relocate from Mumbai to Delhi, which was again, not a problem for me. And I was like that only person from the agency who was reporting to the client. I was the only person who was managing about four odd people working with me just in a matter of two years of working in that company. And it it all happened because... In that two years, the kind of work I did, they probably uh, recognized that. And I still remember the founder of that company uh, had called me when he was in Delhi. And he said that I just need you to take a flight out tomorrow. And I'll tell you what this entire piece is. I was directly pulled in for a meeting. And then from there, right after the meeting, they spoke to me and they said that, you know, we want you to lead this entire project. And it was a very, very big thing for me because from moving as a team leader to now being a client servicing lead, uh, was, was a very big jump and I was extremely happy because they showed that kind of faith in me. And then from there, I think my career has just grown multifold. From there, from a digital, uh, you know, understanding digital media completely, I got an opportunity to work at Times Network where first I started working for Zoom, uh, the the music channel. From that, I got opportunity to handle Romedy Now and MNX where basically... I was handling marketing for these three channels you know so when i was taken into times network i was just going to be managing one but my stint at times network was about for about a year and a half and i think in about six months itself they they decided to give me two more brands so i think every place that i've gone i've kind of shown them or i've kind of i've done decent work which is uh, resulted in you know basically uh, getting more work from the organization and I think with more work, there's a lot more learnings. Yes, personal time definitely goes through a toss. But I think that's what you are supposed to be doing in your twenties. Do as much work as you can. You know, at even at Viacom, we when when I entered Viacom, it was a team that was completely downsizing. You know, the marketing team at MTV used to be for about 28-30 people. At this point of time, it's only about 12 people who are doing this. Not doing the same, but even more work uh, that was happening earlier. So it's 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 been so much of learning that's happened across uh, sectors. Like even when I was at Foxy, I was working with the government. I was working with the alcohol industry where I was handling Sab Miller. I did business development over there. I did client servicing. When I got into Times, I was handling a Bollywood channel. Then I was handling an English channel. Now I'm handling a youth channel. Even when I came into MTV, my first project was nothing related to everything that I had done in the past. My first project was research based. I had to put together an entire book, uh, which was which is considered as a bible by a lot of advertisers, a lot of media planners, and media buyers across the country. Like people, you know, die to get a hand on that particular book and I was the one who was conceptualizing that from scratch. So, and it was not nothing that like I had done in my past. So it was something which was really new for me. And it was the youth insights book that that was my first project at MTV. We've just recently released it because it's a biannual research that happens just this year in January, we released the entire study and uh, the way it was taken by all the media planners and uh, advertisers, kind of reinstated that feeling that you know what every effort that you put in for this really worked out and I think that's that's basically been for any particular project that I've taken up so you know my journey across has been of with a lot of learnings and um, I think that's what your 20s are meant to be you know you shouldn't be running behind money you shouldn't be running behind success and fame and all that jazz it's just it's, it's all going to work out it's all going to come to you at some point or the other just keep doing good work And things will fall into place.
0: What I can see is that all your hard work and like the passion and the drive you have for your work is what led you to get the awards that you did. The Impact 30 Under 30 and the Young Television Award. So what was the significance of these awards? What did it make you feel? How did it impact your career? I think...
1: uh... I never imagined that I would honestly get it, (laughs) to be very, very honest with you. I have known of people who get it every year and I never thought I was qualified enough to even apply for it. But this year, like uh, in 2020, I'm going to be turning 30. So I said that, you know what, why don't you at least give it a shot? You know, let's at least attempt and let's see, you know, where it takes you. And I had like a lot of people who were backing me, uh, who kind of helped me to even make that entry for Impact 30 Under 30. It's it's something that is really respected, really looked up to in, in the media and advertising world because about 200 plus people apply for it and only 30 people get shortlisted. So it's, it's obviously uh, something really big that happened. But it came as a surprise for me also, uh, to be very honest with you, because it's not like I engineered my work in a way that I said okay fine these are the things that I have not done and you know this is what I want to uh, focus on in my last uh, you know year and therefore when I submit my entry next year I will be like you know know, I've, I've done it all so I never looked at it or I never looked at my work from that particular lens and which is why when I was even filling in my entry I was absolutely not sure but I think great people around me who kind of pushed me and motivated me, who helped me put that entire piece together, even so much so my uh, boss, my, my marketing head at MTV, he basically finally vetted that entire piece. And he said, okay, fine, these are some changes that you should make. This is how you should be putting this. And it was, it was great to see him helping us, you know, people who are applying in from uh, Viacom. He so much so started recommending me for applying for uh, the Young Lion Award as well uh, at Cannes Lion. That was something that we were planning to apply. But again, because of COVID, it got pushed next year. I'm obviously going to put in for that as well. But like I said, never really worked with the objective of trying to achieve this. I think I'm I'm really grateful that it happened. And uh, it all happened because I just said that, you know, it's your last year. You've known of people who've, who've got this award and you've always hoped. I, I actually thought that, you know, there's also like how there's impact 30 under 30, there is impact 40 under 40. So I said that, you know, okay, fine. Someday in life, you'll apply for an impact 40 under 40. I don't think you are, uh, you've made the cut for a 30 under 30. Which is why when, I, when, when it really happened, I was like almost in tears and I said, man, this this is this is amazing.
0: Shooting your shot always does work and it worked for you as well. Now, we could not help but notice your love for animals and the amount of volunteer work that you do. What changes does it bring to you as a person?
1: I think the biggest thing that it is, um, it, it makes you really empathetic from... Um, The first thing that I started doing was uh, Make a Difference. It's uh, MAD is an NGO that basically works with uh, kids who are in shelter homes. We provide them life support, emotional support. We also teach them. It's something that I had gotten to know of when I moved back to Mumbai. A very close friend of mine, she used to work with Make a Difference and I had asked her, how do I apply? My first recruitment that I had gone for, I had got rejected for that then i you know one part of me said that you know what maybe you're not made for teaching it's okay it's it's all right but then the other part said that you know what no let's give it another shot so i actually went in for the second recruitment as well and that's something that i cleared and uh, then i was recruited at make a difference where i was teaching english to kids at fifth standard at ymca in andheri and i think from then it's the whole journey of make a difference has changed me so much from being a mentor to five kids. I started mentoring 15 teachers who were teaching kids directly from there. I moved into a fellowship role where I was responsible for the entire Mumbai chapter. Uh, Before that I was also responsible as the dream camp lead. Basically it's an outbound camp, uh, which we organize for the kids. And during this entire stint is when that entire feeling started coming up that, you know, there's so much that each one of us can do to give back to the society. And um, that's that's when I started following this one friend from Make a Difference. And I owe everything that I've done uh, outside of work or even at work to him because he's a great guy. He started his own NGO, which is called Anadan. I'm actively a volunteer over there as well. And, you know, just the kind of stuff that I've seen people do and him do has made me realize that, you know, there's just so much that we can do individually, Uh, whether it's for kids. I had actually got one dog from VNIT to Bombay at my house. He's still there. I'm glad that he's silent right now. So basically, uh, when we were in third year, we actually got two dogs into The hostel, um, and it was actually a senior who got them, and then I did not have the heart to leave him behind. So I said I'll get him to Bombay, and then my parents were actually very against it. But right now he's more important to them than I am. Um, So just realizing that how his life has changed. If each one of us could do something for stray animals, there's just you know because they are beautiful. Yeah, like you know. They make your day. It's so much of unconditional love that comes in from their end. And if we have to do just very little that if we can, it's going to change their life so much. So it's it's only from that perspective that, you know, whatever little that I can do, I try doing it, whether it's for animals, whether it's for kids, or whether it's working with Anadan where we uh, distribute few, food and utilities to people who, li- who live on the streets. So I think if each one of us can contribute in whatever little way, it, it's going to help other people a lot. So just with that thought, I keep doing what I do.
0: Right. Hopefully all of us do volunteer and manage to change the society for the better. Is there any advice or any wisdom that you've gained throughout your journey that you'd like to give for us young listeners?
1: I think one very interesting piece is, you know, uh, belief. The, the conversations that I'm also having with you has taken me back in time. So two things that really happened right for me was one was I never gave up on myself. I always constantly believed. Yes, I was I was surrounded by people who uh, were positive, who motivated me all the time. I have seen, unfortunately, I've seen some people give up on life because X, Y, Z reasons, uh, you know, like academics were not great having seen all of that I think it it just made me slightly stronger it made me believe a lot in myself and um, that constant talking that I did to myself because I, I was under this phase where um, you know for the fifth year I was actually under depression because I was like the only um, a friend of mine you know a friend of mine he was the only one who was there so the two of us were staying with our juniors so uh, that phase was actually one of the most difficult times for me. But successfully having overcome that, it, it took it took a lot out of me. I, I don't know if I could have done more things at that point of time, but it's okay. Like I said, I have absolutely zero regrets. But I had that constant belief that, you know what, things will be okay. I will make a better living for myself. I will do well. I never second out in uh, you know my thoughts or my abilities, for that matter of fact. I always said that, you know what, things will work out, it'll all be well. And um, the second thing is very important is finding a great mentor, finding uh, somebody, a great mentor, a great teacher. And this actually comes from uh, the thought that, you know, one of the kids who had shared with me uh, at Make a Difference, I I do seem to cite this example quite often (laughs) now, which was that, so... I had gone to wake him up from his sleep and, um, you know, that's what you have to do. They stay in their dorms and then you have to wake them up and they have, you have to bring them to class. And when he was walking, so, um, you know, he showed me this, this piece that he had basically done in his free time, which was this stitching piece that he had done. And he looked at it and he said, "Bhaiya, do you see this? I said, yeah. What happened to it, Sunil? So he said that, uh, Bhaya, this... Needle that you have seen that has basically stitched this two pieces of cloth together is is the role basically you play in my life. And I said, Sunil, you are 7th standard. I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) I think you need to wash your face. He said, no, listen to me, bhaiya. He said, just like the way a needle goes through one cloth to the other and back to the first, it basically paves the way for the thread to follow. It's, gui- it's the guiding light for the thread. And you and all the bhaiyas and didis at Make a Difference have been the guiding light for us. And for 10 minutes, I was just taken aback. What has this 7th standard kid just taught me? Like, you know, it is so powerful that he has something so powerful that he just narrated. And it was really shocking for something like that coming from a 7th standard kid. I did second question him and I I just say that, where have you heard this? Who did, who told you this, that you are now telling me? He said, no, this is genuinely what I feel for all the and ladies who come and I feel more importantly for you. You know, at that moment, it was actually, yeah, it actually happened what like four years back and I still remember it so vividly because it was something so great. And fortunately I have been blessed with such mentors and teachers you know who have been that constant uh, guiding light for me whether today i talk about it uh, at mtv it's it's a marketing head who always has a lot of faith in the work i do uh, does not think twice before if any decisions coming in from my end supports me in the work that i do always encourages me to do something better so i think if each of us can identify who that mentor or guide would be for you and would basically help you when you are really down you don't know what's the way forward I think that's when things will be great for all of us
0: that story absolutely left me spellbound it was you know inspirational I could say your uh, advice of belief and having a mentor is what we will keep in mind it uh, seems really good it worked well for you and that story i mean i'm literally speechless right now
1: every time i also think about it just kind of i kind of get goosebumps about it
0: in conclusion from wanting to stay in mumbai to adjusting in Nagpur to viacom to the awards you have achieved what do you feel is the perfect career brew that worked for you
1: I think the decision of not taking up (laughs) technically, that was the best decision that i made. And I think career growth, uh, I would basically owe it all to these few people at um, Foxy Moron, the founder over there, my widget boss over there, you know, the kind of work that I did over there and the liberty that I got to do the kind of work that I did. I think that basically enhanced Everything. If I wouldn't have done all of that, today I don't think I would be at MTV, or you know, I wouldn't have been at Times as well.
0: Thank you so much, Aditya. It has been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know your entire journey. Thank you for sparing this time for us, and um, hope you enjoyed this podcast.
1: Absolutely, yeah I, I I was actually I was really surprised when you guys reached out to me. To be very honest with you, Richa. Because there are some really great people who've passed out from VNIT who are doing so many different things. And uh, the fact that you guys considered I was was worthy enough to be on this podcast, I'm truly thankful to you. Also, I think it's a great effort. It's a great initiative that you have started. Please do continue this. I, I wish there was something like this in our year as well. You know, like if we would have gotten a chance to interact with our alumni to understand, you know, what are they doing? What are things that they are doing uh, differently? I think each each student would have got a little more confidence in terms of following their dreams and passions. But nonetheless, the fact is that it has started now and I'm sure this is going to go a long way. So I, I really urge you to please continue this no matter what. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you, Richard.
0: It's been great Aditya, thank you again.